come from a different direction today. Um, Psalm 39, 1 through 7. Psalm 39. I'm not going to be before you long. It is Christmas Eve, and I know many people are thinking about what they have to do. And I want to be sensitive to that because it is time to be with your families if they are here. Amen. Psalm 39, 1 through 7. Let's change, uh, go back to, uh, yeah, New Living Translation. Let's see. All right, the Word of God reads, I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. But as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew worse. The more I thought about it, the hotter I got, igniting a fire of words. And the psalmist says, he prays, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made me, or you have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. Help me, Lord. At best, each of us is but a breath. Interlude. We are merely moving shadows in all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. <laughs> and so, Lord, where do I put my hope? And then he answers the question. My only hope is in you. Amen. 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 Father, please add a blessing to the reading of this word. I want to speak to you today from putting all your hope, putting all your hope in Christ. Say, putting all our hope in Christ. Amen. So this is the situation. David is the writer of this psalm, and David is in turmoil because his son, Absalom, has illegitimately seized the throne, and David is now on the run for his life from his own son. And he's living outside the kingdom because uh, his son wants to take his father's life. And David is basically experiencing a death of a relationship. That's, in fact, what it really is. His relationship with his son is gone. It's dead. Amen? And David is not a perfect man. We all know the story of David and Bathsheba. Uh, and because of his sin, God promised that it was, there would be a sword in his family. Amen? For those of you who read your Bibles, you know that God promised that you, you killed Uriah and, and you took by force Bathsheba. And because of that, you're going to have some struggles in your own family. Yes, you are forgiven, but there will be consequences for what you've done. Uh, he took another man's wife and then tried to cover up the pregnancy. And so now there's trouble in his family. And now that trouble is also in the kingdom and even though God has called David to lead, he's having to deal with some circumstances. And honestly, David is 
probably more than likely you and I overwhelmed and believing that these circumstances are not justified. There's just too much. Amen. However, in spite of all this, David is also called a man who is loved by God, a man who is after God's own heart. Amen. Nevertheless, God allows this trouble and actually promised that David would have this trouble. And the temptation that David is experiencing here, I could just quickly go through these verses, um, is there's a temptation to rail and complain against God. As if to say, God, what are you doing? <laughs> Why are you allowing this? How is this going to end up? Why is this happening to me? Uh, why is this misfortune uh, and, and allowed to occur in my life? In all of this, David has some choices. Uh, as to how he sees his present situation. So, Psalm 39, one, verses 1 through 7. Let me just break down what's happening here. Help me, Holy Spirit. David says, and I said to myself, verse 1, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. Notice that he's having a conversation with himself about what he's feeling in his own heart. Amen. He's careful not to let his circumstances cause him to do things that are sinful, either by uh, coping mechanisms or lashing out uh, or in ways while he is grieving uh, and, and dealing with things. He doesn't want to grieve God because he's going through. Amen. There are sometimes when we're tempted because of our lives being hard or dealing with certain situations, we want to either fix the situation ourselves or we want to, you know, try to make ourselves feel good or <laughs> do all kinds of things that are against God's law in order to cope with what we're handling. Amen? So he says, I don't want to do anything. I watch what I do. I, I walk circumspectly. I am careful to, be, uh, to, to watch over my life. I, I, I don't get into things I should not get into, or I don't lash out in anger. Sometimes we retaliate and take things out on somebody else <laughs> because of what we're dealing with. Amen? So we have to be careful not to grieve God. He says, I want to watch what I do. And then not only that, he says, I watch what I say, or I don't want to sin in what I say. I keep my mouth silent when the Lord is chastening me. Mm. I learn to guard my own tongue when I don't understand the Lord's methods. Hey, that's a huge lesson right there. Amen. I don't understand what you're doing, Lord. I don't like what you're doing, but I don't want to sin against God and say something even in my own heart that's not true about God. Amen. So he decides to be careful in his actions, and he's deciding to be careful with his words to himself. And then the next phrase says, I will hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. Uh-oh. In David's camp, there are loyal soldiers, soldiers that will give their lives to protect their king, David, amen. And these soldiers are loyal to David, but David knows that they're not necessarily loyal to God. Ain't everybody saved. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So what he's basically saying, there are ungodly people in the midst 
So David's got to be careful how he speaks not only to himself, but what the words that come out of his mouth to people who may not be saved. Amen. He's got to be careful to make sure he doesn't get so angry about his situation. He guards his tongue when the ungodly are present. Amen. He doesn't want to give ungodly folks uh, a perspective on God that's incorrect. He doesn't want to talk in just any way about his situation because sinners will use ammunition. Amen. To mock God. Amen. Because of what you say. Amen. Even the most stable of Christians, the most seasoned saints, uh, when they are in situations, they battle with doubt. I don't know about you, but you could be saved 25 years and then the Lord allows something to happen in your life that shakes you. And you have to say, whoa. And you have to be careful what you say around your nieces and nephews that ain't been in church for years and, and your co-workers and, and folks that don't know really don't know God. Amen. Because what they will do is they will take what you say while you're questioning God in your heart. And during the times like this, the immature will voice their complaints about God. Amen. And put it all on Facebook. And, 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 and this is where the sinful, unbelieving friends can read uh, all about what we're going through and use our seasons of wilderness um, as fuel for their unbelief. Are you hearing what I'm saying, Rick? Amen. So David says, we, he, he decides he's going to be silent. Well, I won't say nothing. You know how we get, you know, fine then, God. <laughs> Verse 2, he says, but as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things. Ooh, wow. The turmoil within me grew worse. We, come on, let's just be honest with God sometimes. We can get upset. We don't like what God is doing, and it's affecting your praise. You can't even speak of good things. You know? You know God deserves the glory for everything. He can only do what is right. But because you're going through something, you have a delayed response in your praise to God because you're hurting. Well, maybe that doesn't happen to you. But praise is delayed because you're not happy. You don't quite understand what God is doing in this season of your life. And then verse 3 says, the more I thought about it, David says, the hotter I got, igniting the fire of words. So here he goes back inside himself now. Okay, he's already decided he's not going to speak outwardly where the sinners and the ungodly are present because he doesn't want to sin in such a way that causes them to use that ammunition against God and mock God. But now he's back inside himself and he's saying it's igniting a fire of, uh, 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 you know, igniting a fire of words. In other words, there's turmoil and frustration bubbling up in the inside of the heart. And though you decide not to audibly complain against God uh, in the hearing of others, you have a few things you'd like to say to God inside yourself. Amen. You can't take it anymore. It starts to bubble. Amen. Why? Because you're not being real with God. Amen. You eventually have to get honest with God, even in your situation, even in your pain. Amen. And, 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 and he already knows how, how, how we feel, so we might as well go ahead and say it anyway. 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? He already knows. So let me briefly just sum up these little verses right here before we move forward. What we are allowed to see here, saints, which is beautiful about the Bible, because the Bible is very real and very, very honest and open with us. If we actually look at the scriptures, we can take it at face value. What we can see here is that we're, David is having a transparent moment with his Lord. Amen. And we get a chance to glean and learn from that. Uh, there is a desire for David to be respectful to God, which is right. Amen? I, I, I have a problem with folks that can curse God out just because they're going through. You know, I, I think that's too far. I think there ought to be reverence for our Lord. Amen? After all, he's God. Amen? So we, we don't take it too far. I know folks that are comfortable with that. I, I can't get comfortable with that. I try not to judge folks, but I was like, well, I can't. That's you, boo. And while you over there talking to God like that, I'm going to get over here. <laughs> Stay away from corn them. <laughs> Amen. But here's the thing. There's a desire to be respectful to God, even though you don't understand what's happening. Amen. But you can't just justify going off the handle and talking any kind of way to God just because you don't understand. However, at the same time, saints, you can't be fake with God. Amen. You have to be real and upfront and honest with God because guess what? You're in a relationship with God. Not just some kind of religious kind of thing that we do. We're actually in a loving relationship with God. And just like any relationship, if there's no honesty there, well, then what do you really have? Right? And there are times in when even the, the, the old and, 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 uh, and mature believers, where it's a struggle to walk with God through some of the things he decided for us to walk through. There's a struggle there. Amen. Some of the stuff that we are going through and some of the stuff that we experience, some of the stuff I'm experiencing, this is just some tough stuff. Amen. Let's just be honest. So what I am seeing here is that God is okay with us voicing and telling him how we feel. He, he can take it. Amen? But be careful, because sometimes the trouble that God allows can cause you and I to shut down on God, and your relationship with God can turn cold because you're mad at God and you stop talking to him. That's not the point. We don't want to get to the point to where we don't have a conversation with God. It's got to be real, but it's got to be something where you can say, you know what, Lord, I don't like this. I don't feel this. I trust you, but this hurts. This is hurting me. But if we get to a place where we get fake with God and stop talking with God, that's nothing, and the enemy would love nothing more than that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we keep the lines of communication open. What we're seeing here is David was very honest with God about some things. If you read the Psalms, you will see that he was very, very honest with God about some things. And I think God appreciates that because God is like, I'm not stupid. I know how you feel. <laughs> yes, you do love me, but you also have a problem with what I decided. Let's talk about that. Let's be real. And it's okay to be real. You know, I would want my wife and my husband to tell me the truth. 
sitting there smiling in my face. I don't know where we really are. You know, that's not good. You know what I mean? Hey, baby, how you doing? Just lying. No, you can be honest with God. Amen? Respect, but real. See, see it? Okay? Respect, that's first, because he's God, but real. Amen. 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 So finally, as David is realizing that his silence treatment is not working, because all that does is just build up turmoil on the inside. He gathers his thoughts and respectfully decides to pray. Amen. Verse 4. Which is the whole point, saints. This is where the truth invades our circumstances. And the reality check comes in. And we can calm down. And from the truth that we know, God begins to settle our spirits. You hear me? The enemy doesn't like when we get to this point. He wants to keep us in a turmoil. But the truth is, is that the trouble ought to drive you to the point to where you pray. Amen? That's the whole point. You take your burden to the Lord. Amen? Amen. And then he will take the word that you already know and cause you to have peace and settle your spirit by the truth that you've already been taking in. Amen? So David starts to remember, saints, what is absolutely true about himself, what is absolutely true about his son, and that truth speaks to you and I what is absolutely true about everyone on this planet. And here it is. Lord, remind me how brief my time on the earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. Verse 5, you have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. That's not going this way. That's going this way. <laughs> He's basically saying, you know, my entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is just a breath. That's, and, th and then it says interlude, which means stop and think about that. Your life, yes, you're, you don't understand what God is doing. Yes, this may not make any sense to you. You may not have remembered that you had it coming in some areas. <laughs> Come on, right? Yeah. You may not have remembered that you ain't all that. And you got decades and decades of sin. You, that might have escaped you a little bit. So you, you, you know, tempted to complain, but the truth of the matter is that God just might be lovingly straightening you out with our imperfect selves. Come on, somebody. That, that part kind of goes over our head. <laughs> you know, you know. So, Lord, remind me that my life is just a moment to you. Life is short, saints. I don't know about you, but that, is seem, that seems to be 2023's uh, message to me. Life is short. So here's the thing. Don't trip off the good times too much. 
And don't trip off the bad times too much. Because neither one of them is going to last very long. It's all coming to a very swift end. Amen. We can't tell because we get older and get, pick up walkers and pills and doctor's appointments and, and all that kind of stuff. Eventually, if, if God graces you with a little bit of time, we, we come in church shaking. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because, you know, that's, that's where we're all headed if you have any time. But the bottom line is God is saying, yeah, but in, from his view, it's like, Next. <laughs> yeah, it's quick. Okay? It doesn't last that long. Your good days and your miserable days don't last long. They will not. Don't put too much stock in what happens here. Amen? There will be times of happiness where things go well for a season, your life is wonderful, your wife is wonderful, <laughs> your finances look secure, you know, money in the bank, future is looking bright. And then he says in the next verse, verse 6, he says, look what he says here. He says, we are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. The big deception of this world is this, saints. The big deception of this life is that all of our busyness will count for nothing. Are you hearing me? It's not something that we can hold on to here. You know, we get busy to try to keep something here. It will end up in nothing. Nobody, nowhere gets busy and keeps anything forever here. It just doesn't happen. The truth is, is busy, 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 rushing, rushing, rushing leads to nothing Amen. You heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. <laughs> Working hard. Where are you going, Jamie? I'm about to get this promotion. For what? So I can't keep none of it. I'm about to, oh, about to become the president of the company. Why? So I take none of it with me. I'm important. I'm doing my thing. I got educated. You know, I deserve this job. Give me this money. I'm... And everybody ends up in the same place. You build a house from scratch. You work hard. You know, you put down the foundation and you, and you erect everything. I'm going to put the jacuzzi over here. And, and we got to have these mirrors over here. And, and the foyer is going to look like this. And the spiral I like spiral staircases. And in a spiral staircase, you can come up there. You know, we're going to look like millionaires. I'm going to make this amazing house. And then you die. And somebody you don't even know comes and lives in the house you built. All that work. So you can go. And then somebody else come in there and be like, it's kind of nice up in here. Who am I going to build this? What was that name again? Hawkins? Nice. Got it for a good price, too. A little cheaper. Good interest rate. But nothing. You know? Or you think you will, you know, leave it to your children. Right? David is writing from the perspective of the fact that his son's trying to kill him. 
He can't trust him with his life. You think he'll be able to trust him with his money? <laughs> Come on, think about it. David, like, put yourself in the mind of King David. One of the greatest kings of all time. He's got money like you would not believe. And his son is trying to do him in. You're going to leave him in an inheritance? You see? I'm sorry. It's heartbreaking. Right? It's heartbreaking. So let me sum it up. David is saying he's being used by God to send us a very simple message. Your life is really, really short. But not only that, so are your disappointments. Are you seeing it's the, dual, the dual message here? You know, it's not just life sucks. It's, it's the, the part of life that sucks ain't going to last forever. <laughs> are you hearing me? So this is true. Our lives are short, but so is our misery. Good times don't last. Bad times don't last. This is what we call, saints, believe it or not, the mercy of God. Because it's God and his mercy that does not allow us to sit here on hell on earth forever and ever. Isn't that interesting? All right. So after all that, verse 7, he says this. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? Knowing this truth, where do I put my hope? My hope, my only hope, is in you. And saints, honestly, this is why we really celebrate Jesus Christ. We celebrate the fact that he came for our salvation. Yes. He is eternal life. Yes. And while you're here... He is your hope. He is all we really have. That's what he's saying. You know, we can make this Christmas season about something else, but the truth is, we ought to be jumping up and down just because he came in the first place. Amen? Into this world of, hear me, saints, guaranteed disappointment. Into this world of show not <laughs> gonna tick you off. Amen. Jesus decided that it was best for you and me to come here and not just be born and die. He came and he lived in this world as we did. Amen. He stayed for several years. He lived in our pointless misery for years. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Amen. He identified with us, gave us his life so that we could identify with him. No. Why? For those of us who have faith in Jesus Christ, he did that so that we would have hope not just in this world, but hope that's beyond this world. Hope that this world can't touch. Hope that this world can't corrupt. Hope that this world can't depreciate. You know what I mean? You know, if we got an investment in Jesus Christ that will never depreciate. Are you hearing what I'm saying, saints? 
He came here to give us hope. Isaiah 9 and 6. I love this. Isaiah 9 and 6. King James. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful First Word. Isn't this interesting? Counselor. <laughs> right. Somebody got it. First thing I want you to call this Jesus that's coming is your counselor. He's your wonderful counselor. Why? Because this world is jacked up. <laughs> and we're going to need a counselor to give us the right perspective to get us through all this stuff that we got to go. Somebody get this. He's the first thing that Isaiah prophesied. He says, he's your counselor. Amen. He's the one that says, oh, you know what? It's bad, but we're going to make it. We got hope. This ain't going to be the end. There's, there's something coming to us. We're not stuck here. We're not stuck in this situation. It's not going to be miserable forever. Amen. Jesus is coming to rule and reign, and he sits us on his little couch, and he tells us, listen, I want you to get this in your head because you're going to go through some situations and some circumstances that you may not understand, that you may not like, that may pull on you. Just remember that when you're going through, I am your counselor. And I give you the perspective that causes you to go through and make it. Amen? Amen. Mighty God. Amen. He's a mighty God. Amen. Nobody can destroy him. Nobody can do anything that he's not agreeing with. Nobody can get past him. He's got all the power that he needs. He can do whatever he wants. He's a mighty God. He's a wonderful counselor and mighty God. He's the everlasting father. Amen. And that word, when you break that down, it's like it's basically saying it's, it's the ever, his fatherly love and gentleness for his own, his children. It never changes. He, 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 he trains us into understanding that we can make it. He gently guides us through the circumstances that he allows us to go through. He's a father. That's what I do with my children. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And if I can do that with my children, how wonderful a father do we have in, in God? Are you hearing what I'm saying? He is the everlasting father. And he is the prince of peace. He is going to bring peace, everlasting peace, when he returns. Amen? That is our hope. He is the counselor, wisdom, everlasting father. Amen. Tenderness compassionate, wise instructor, trainer, amen, and provider, amen? He's a prince of peace, one who will bring lasting peace to this troubled world forever. That's the promise that's in Isaiah of the Jesus that we are celebrating today, amen? And that's exactly who he is, and that is exactly who he's been, amen? So here's where I am this morning, and I'm going to wrap it up. Sometimes we don't understand, just like David, what God is doing and why he's doing it, especially when it comes to our hearts being broken, right? You know, like David, we have a real conversation with God about what? what is he really, what's, what, what was David really experiencing? Someone's being taken from him. That's what it all boils down to. Huh? Someone that he loves dearly 
is being taken from him. Hmm, you see it? Huh? And we have a conversation with God because we don't understand his decision making. And it's okay. He, he understands that we don't understand. Right? He's not shaming us because we don't know. Amen? But in our times of sorrow, we need to realize this is the thing that I'm coming to understand, that God is really only showing us mercy. Mm, even when we lose loved ones. Amen? We get to experience <laughs> this life of pointless emptiness and disappointments. And then when our loved ones die, we selfishly want them to come back here so they can spend a few more years <laughs> with us in pointlessness. <laughs> Why, God? They got to say, because I'm merciful. Are you seeing what I'm saying? This is what we, if, this is what we have to reckon with, saints. If Solomon, Job, David, Paul, there's so many others, you know, great writers that the Holy Spirit used to tell us the truth. If this Bible is right about what is in this world, amen, then God taking believers out of this world is actually one of the kindest things he could do. Huh. I didn't think about it that way, Pastor. We want you to stay. God is saying, no, I want to bring all of you home. Really think, take that in. Pause and calmly think about that. Leaving them here to deal with struggle after struggle forever and ever, that's not kind, is it? No. Even though it hurts those of us who are still here, to lose loved ones, it's actually a very kind thing for him to take our loved ones with him to paradise. It really is when you think about it, because when it's our turn to go, we ain't going to want to come back either. <laughs> to what? Huh? So here's the application. And I'm done. This is my last point. This is the best I could do this Sunday. this season, in this time, God is still here. Jesus is here. He is entering into our lives, and he has placed his spirit into your lives. And since we are still here, we are the hands and feet of Jesus, are we not? Jesus came to this world to give us hope then what does he do inside the believer that is still here? What is our purpose? What is our mission? We extend that hope to others. Amen? That's who we are. Jesus, we're so glad you were born. We're so glad you came. 
Then he goes back to heaven, leaves his Holy Spirit. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, and from then on, everyone who believes in Jesus Christ repents of their sins. They are saved. They get the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And then what do we do with that hope that we have received? We extend that same hope to others. Amen. Amen. So, we are to love one another. The church is commanded to obey that command. We love one another. We share in the burdens of one another. We encourage one another. Amen? The truth is, is this, saints. The holiday time, it's hard for people. Amen? Many people who uh, have been placed in a situation where they have to trust in what God has decided about their loved ones, a lot of folks are alone. Amen? There are people that have to spend the holidays by themselves. Are you hearing me? And when Thanksgiving comes around and Christmas comes around, I have talked to more people this week. Why? Because now I'm one of them. You know, I've talked to more people this week who are going through uh, almost panic attacks as the day approaches. Because their, 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 their tradition, their family tradition has been uprooted. Why? Because the people that they built that tradition with, they're no longer here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Okay? And, and now, me and my children are now in that same position. So I am now able to now not only kind of go, oh, that's sad that you're in that situation. Now I'm one of you. That's real. Amen? What's the issue? Just like David, trying to figure out what God has decided, trying to get, be okay with what God is doing, having inner turmoil, amen, having conversations with God, trying to keep it respectful and, 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 and talking right to God, but at the same time being very honest with God. You see it? You see the parallel? So here's the thing. What happens with the church who is now carrying the hope of Jesus Christ in them? What do we do? Do we do like Israel did and we bottle up that hope and keep it to ourselves in our own nation or do we extend it to each other? Are you hear what I'm saying? Amen. I cannot believe that in less than four months we have lost two people very close in our family. Just like that. Gone. And things are very different for us now. We had things we would do on the holidays. Now we're trying to figure out what we do. And we're not the only ones. There's a lot of people out there. I got close friends that I've talked to. People have been gone two or three years, and they're still dealing with it. That's real. That's real. So we can get up and say, you know, joy to the world. You got joy to the world. Then we go home and have some chicken, open our Christmas gifts, and be like, oh, I'll see you next Sunday. But have we been to church during the holidays to those who need? Because isn't that what Jesus came to do for us? Didn't he come to us and enter into our situation and bring what? Hope to our pointlessness? Take a look around you. Ask the church members you know. Ask your neighbors that you know. How are you doing? How are you coping? 
Where are you going for Thanksgiving and Christmas? Do you have anybody? Is there a way that I can enter into your life and give some joy and some hope? Just like Jesus has entered into mine. Is there a way that I could be the church while you're in your turmoil? While you're wrestling with what you're dealing with? Huh? That's what Jesus did. Isn't that what we should do? Amen? We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We are an extension of his love. We have received his mercy. We are now saved for our, from our sins. We believe in Jesus Christ. He's changed and transformed us, and we are on our way to heaven. We're still dealing with things. We have that hope, and we can actually come together and share that hope with one another. I made a decision because it just dawned on me after talking to so many people, Jamie, you got this house, you got these kids, you got these folks that you talk to that don't have nobody. Next year, maybe we need to all get together during the holidays. Huh? And be the church. Because see, that's exactly what happened. In the early church, that's exactly what happened. If you look back at Acts 2, you will see that the folks brought what they needed. They came together, and nobody had a need. Why? Because they came together and they helped each other out. Now, we look at that most times as financial. Well, I need my rent paid, because that's most, what most churches are staying. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, that's good. I need a new car. But there's emotional needs, Right? There's, there's inner pain and turmoil. Am I talking about that? Am I saying something right, Gina? Huh? There's, there's, and, and sometimes we can't feel it until it happens to you. But once you get the memo and the email that Jesus is your hope, he came to give you hope, and that you now have that hope riding, living inside of you, how do you extend that hope to others? Amen? Because the truth of the matter is, is just like David was saying in this song, everything else is temporary. Everything else is pointless. Save all the money you want. Somebody else is going to spend it. <laughs> Climb the ladder all you want. You know, you get to the highest height. Still going to have health problems because you don't live forever. Get the memo. It ain't about any of that stuff. It's about putting your hope in Jesus and Jesus alone. Amen? And when we have our doubts... Hey, come on, Holy Spirit. And we have our seasons where even, even when we know the word of God and we go through something and we struggle, that's the time when we put our arms around each other and extend that hope to one another and remind each other, Jerome, that it's all about putting your hope in Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm done. Amen.